0: Okay, so being that we're about a uh, little less than a week out of uh, Pesach, so obviously Pesach is uh, on my mind. I actually wanted to see if I could find some interesting Chosh Mishpah thing related to uh, to Pesach, uh, and I found some interesting uh, Shilas, but I'm not sure if it was going to be enough to cover a full shear. So uh, yeah, scrap that, maybe we'll do that uh, next year. Uh, give me more time to uh, to look into it. But in the meantime, so I figured another good topic and something, which is uh, which is on my mind, has to do with uh, taking medication on Pesach. So, as a general practice, we are lenient. We'll actually read about that when we get uh, to the end of the year. What at least the if I could find it, what the Chicago Rabbanim uh, say about that? The letter which is put out every year from the Chicago. Oh, there it is, from the Chicago Rabbanim with regards to medication on Pesach but i thought that we are going to be uh, uh uh informed consumers and we will find out what exactly the issues are what the leniencies are and what the you know to how to make uh, good decisions for that okay so what we have over here is hopefully it appears on the screen there yeah okay great so uh we begin with uh, a Gemara in Psachim. It happens to be by coincidence because when you talk about taking medication, the, most of the principles which, we, which we'll discuss tonight are applicable not only as far as chametz in medication, which would be applicable obviously only the week of Pesach, but it applies equally well with regards to taking medication which may contain other non-kosher, potentially non-kosher ingredients. So, for example, one of the things which is popular, and at some point we'll probably do a, a shir on the on medications in general, but one of the things which uh, people are very busy with is uh, um, a medication which has gelatin in it. So if it has gelatin, which is taken from non-kosher animals, so is that going to be a problem halachically or not? So that, it's as I said, it's many of the same principles, but it just happens to me that we're starting off with Pesach and it's interesting that it comes from a Mishnah in Psachim. Okay, so Mishnah says as follows, this is source number one, there's a Mishnah on, uh, in Psachim chaf, says Kol Sha It says, that any time on of Pesach, you're allowed to go ahead and eat chametz yourself, so then the halach is, you're also allowed to go ahead and feed chametz to your pets to your pets, to your animals, if you own a zoo, happen to, so you'd be allowed to go ahead and feed them chametz on Erev Pesach. Umuchal during that time, you could also sell your chametz to a non-Jew, so that's why uh, the rabbis are going to be selling chametz on Erev Pesach, so they have to make sure to do so while it is still permitted to go ahead and eat uh, chametz. Umuchal and in general, it's going to be permitted with, during the time that you're allowed to eat chametz, so it is permitted to go ahead and benefit from the chametz as well. So the Gemara on Khaf Alepham base asks, uh, asks the obvious question, So we're saying now, the halacha is that if if there's a, the, um, the time during which I'm allowed to eat chametz, I'm allowed to benefit from it as well. So the Gemara asks, Shita, well, isn't that obvious? Obviously, eating is a benefit. So if you're allowed to eat, you're allowed to benefit. So that would seem to be stating the obvious. So Gemara says, no, no, no. There's a more subtle chodesh, a more subtle idea which is contained here, which is, What we're talking about is, you went ahead and you burned the chametz into charcoal during the morning of Er Pesach so that by the time it's asr to eat chametz, it's now just charcoal and ash. And now, once we know that that is the case that the mission is referring to, so the Kiddush is going to be like rava, Rava says, that if you went ahead and burned your chametz to a crisp into charcoal before it's asr, so then it's going to be permitted for benefit, even after the time the chametz has become asr. In other words, that as long as the chametz has been rendered inedible before the isr chametz begins, before the prohibition against chametz begins, so once it's no longer inedible, and we're defining inedible means that even a dog wouldn't go ahead and eat it, so it's no longer considered to be chametz, and once it's no longer considered to be chametz, so it is permitted for you to benefit from it at that point. That's what the, uh, the Mishnah in an explanation of the Gemara says. So now on this, so we say uh, the Rush explains, and we won't read all of it inside, but the Rush says, so he emphasizes what we just said. And we talk about being burned. What we mean is, it has to be rendered so inedible that even a dog would need it. So there could be there's stages of inedibility or spoilage, and there are times when a food would be considered inedible for human consumption, but a dog would go ahead and would eat it. So as far as Pesach is concerned, so inedible for humans, but still edible for dogs, is not considered to be sufficiently inedible. It has to be dumya pas shaifsha It has to be similar to bread, which has turned moldy. Where it's so moldy that even a dog would go ahead and sniff it and say feh. So once it's considered to be so inedible that even a dog would go ahead and say feh or bark feh, if they do that. So then that's what's considered to be inedible, and then uh, it's no longer considered to be chametz. Now here comes an important idea, which is why we're reading the Russian side. It says DeNami Achila. <laughs> Some people say that once it's rendered inedible for a dog, so not only are you allowed to benefit from it, but if you want it, you could go ahead and you could eat it as well. There'll be no isser against eating it. The because once it is spoiled to the point where even a dog wouldn't eat it, it's considered to be dirt. And there's no isser to go ahead and eat dirt. But says the Rosh, V'lo this I find to be illogical, that even though it's inedible, that you should be allowed to go ahead and consume it. Why? Even though clearly a person who's eating a piece of chametz charcoal is out of his mind, because nobody goes ahead and eats charcoal. So even though clearly it's something which is uh, which uh, goes against normative behavior, nonetheless, if this person decides to eat it, asr. it's going to be asr. What you consider to be a food in that you would eat it, so if, it, if it's derived from a chametz source, so it's going to be oser. Awesome. So you could have a piece of charcoal where one person says, you know what, I'm going to take a piece of that chametz charcoal and I'm going to make for myself a hot dog. And he has a hot dog which is roasting over that, uh, over that uh, piece of coal. And another person comes along and says, hey, why are you bothering with the hot dog? Charcoal tastes much better than the hot dog and goes ahead and takes a bite out of that charcoal. It's good for the teeth, apparently, also. So, so he gets a clean teeth out of this, and it's a nice, warm meal. So for that person to eat the charcoal, since he considers that to be food, it would actually be asr. We're going to see the phrase which the posthum used to explain what the rush means is the, is the term achshave. Achshave comes from the word chashav, that even though it is considered to be On some sort of objective standard to be inedible. Nonetheless, if you consider it to be a food, as far as you're concerned, you are machshevik, you elevate it to food status. So as far as you are concerned, it actually is a food, and then you're not allowed to eat it. And this is something which is going to be significant, although uh, I don't think anybody is eating charcoal. Again, I don't know all of your eating habits, but I'm uh, pretty uh, comfortable assuming that nobody here is eating charcoal. But nonetheless, it is going to be relevant as far as medications are concerned, or it's going to be a shayla, which the post can discuss. If you have a medication which is essentially inedible, but somebody decides to consume it anyways, so is that now going to be a violation because that person has elevated it into food status. So now this idea that you can have something which is objectively inedible, but an individual decides to go ahead and eat it. So you have an example of that in Shoknarh. In Hilchos, once again, Hilchos Pesach. So this is in Tauf Mem Base Shulchan Shoknarch says, shenis Let's say you have something which has some chametz mixed in, the no Michael Adam Klau, and it's not a food at all. Let's say, for example, you have wheat germ shampoo. So wheat germ shampoo, by its very definition, contains wheat germ in it, which has been made chametz, but it's a shampoo, and people generally don't consume shampoo. You may be really, really thirsty, hard to find a drink, but nobody's going to go ahead and take for themselves a shot of shampoo. Again, I'm assuming it's not for me to judge. Or, at the very least, it's not considered to be food which is eaten by most people. So I'm assuming most people are not going to go ahead and be, uh, you know, having uh, jello shots of, uh, of shampoo. I don't know exactly what that is. Something similar. So even though you're allowed to maintain ownership, of wheat germ shampoo. There's nothing wrong with it at all, and you're actually allowed to use wheat germ shampoo because it's considered to be inedible even for a dog. But But it's something which is going to be usher to eat until after Pesach. So in the event that a person gets the, uh, gets the, uh, the craving for a shampoo shot on Pesach, So you're not allowed to go ahead and have a shot of shampoo in the event that the shampoo contains hummus. That would be awesome. And even if it only has a small amount of hummus in that shampoo, as soon as you consider it to be a food in that you want to go ahead and consume it, so that already elevates it to food status. And once you elevate it to food status, so it's like any other hummus that you're not allowed to eat. And here, the Mishabura spells out the principle behind this, as we said. And this is the Mishabura in Sivkan Chafalf, Tafman Bey Sivkan Chafalf. He says, even though this jello shot is by any objective standard inedible, it's not something which anybody would go ahead and consume. Ochlo, once you are willing to go ahead and consume it, there's the word that we mentioned means that you have considered it to now be hashev. you've elevated it into food status, and once you elevate this into food status so that itself is, going, is what's going to make it asr so this now becomes the, uh, the guiding principle for these things, where we're going to have medications where are made with all sorts of ingredients by and large we consider medications nobody who get, who's uh, uh, in the mood um, uh, for a snack Nobody who's hungry and wants a snack in the middle of the day is going to take a handful of aspirin and say, listen, it's a snack food, it's crunchy, I'll go ahead and I'm going to snack on some aspirin or something like that. So nobody's going to go ahead and do so. But uh, So therefore, we don't consider that to be a food. But when a person has a headache or a person has aches and pains, they will go ahead and take an aspirin or they will go ahead and take medication for that. So now the question is, in the event that I have something which Uh, According to objective standards, nobody would consider that to be a food. If I consume it though as a medication, do I elevate it? Do I thereby elevate it into food status? Because I'm consuming it, I'm putting it in my mouth and I'm swallowing it. So the fact that I'm putting it in my mouth and I'm swallowing it, does that now give it uh, food status? And therefore, it would be potentially problematic on Pesach? Or do we say that when you take something, you consume something, as a medication in order to treat some illness or some condition, that is not considered to be, that doesn't qualify as akhshaveh, that's not considered to be elevating that into food status, because you don't consider it to be a food, you consider it to be a medicine, and a medicine is not food. So that's the question that poskim deal with. And here, one of the earlier sources to discuss this is the Yad ram the Yad Avram you could find in the margins on the regular page of Shulchan Aruch. So this is in Yerodeah, Simen Pei Dalit at the end of the Simen. So the Yad Avram, he has a long piece about this. And then he writes in his conclusion, he says, Vimkei, if so, Sahachanami, hachanami, Vada sheretz sarv b'achila. If you're not taking it for, for its medicinal, medicinal purposes, for therapeutic purposes, there's no way that one is going to be able to eat a sheretz, some creepy crawler rodent bug or something like that, which has been totally burned up. Afshan nifsal me'ochel even though as a result of the fire, it's considered to be completely inedible. By objective standards, nobody would go ahead and eat it. The reason why you can't go ahead and munch on uh, um, uh, char-broiled um, mice is mishun damrina is because being that, you're willing to go ahead and consume it. So if you're willing to go ahead and consume it, even though most other people would not, so you elevate it into food status. But, says the out of rum, that's only true if you're going to consume it because you're looking for a good snack food and it's hard to find a good snack food come Pesach time. But if you go ahead and you take that inedible non-kosher food or non-kosher ingredient, and you consume it for the purpose of medicine, for its therapeutic outcome, or for some sort of medicinal uh, benefit. So then he says, "The So the Yanavram says, consuming something as a medication is not elevating it into food status. He doesn't consider medicine, c- consumption as a medication to be food. Because because everybody sees that the only reason you are consuming this is because of your medical condition. And were it not for the medical condition, you would not go ahead and munch on a bunch of aspirin or munch on a bunch of pills. It's just not something which is going to happen. So therefore, we don't consider the consumption of it as a medicine to be ashavate to be something which elevates it into a food. <speaking> in <Hebrew> And therefore, he says, one of the other uh, contexts in which this appears is with regards to Yom Kippur. If a person takes a medication on Yom Kippur, so that's not considered to be eating it as a food. We don't consider taking aspirin or taking a Tylenol on uh, on Yom Kippur to, to be breaking the fast, because clearly the fact that you're taking this medicine, you don't consider that to be a food. You're only taking this because you want the therapeutic outcome from having... Uh, taking this uh, this medication, because you're clearly not considering it to be a food. You're considering it to be a medicine. Medicine is not food. And this is something which is spelled out by the Taz over there in Hilchos Yomakipurim. But then he mentions however, this is not like the Shagasarye. shagasarye, one of the uh, the great uh, halachic writers of uh, of uh, the uh, the Ahronim era, so he maintains a different position. He maintains that if you go ahead and consume something as a medication, it does meet the criteria of Akhshavay. It is considered as if you've elevated it into food status, and therefore you would not be permitted to do so on Yom Kippur, and similarly not chametz on Pesach, and not uh, something which is trafed the, the whole year round. So now that we know that there's a Machlokas about this, so now the question is, how do we post them? So are we going to follow the opinion who says that something which is objectively inedible but consumed as a medication, we need to be concerned that you've now elevated it into food status and could potentially be a problem? Or do we say not at all? The fact that you're taking it as a medication clearly indicates that you don't consider this to be a medication, and therefore it would be permitted. So for this, we turn to uh Moshe, we turn to Moshe Feinstein. He addresses this point. I was ha- hoping Bob was going to, uh, to be here. Maybe there's a travel day for Bob. But uh, I was hoping that Bob would be here because this is something that Rav Moshe wrote to Ephraim Greenblatt. Rav Ephraim Greenblatt. And Bob uh, considers, Bob Abelson considers Rav Ephraim Greenblatt to be his Rav. So this is uh, something which I thought would be significant for him. But this was written back in 1960, right around Pesach time, 1960. So he says, So he's addressing the, uh, the question regarding medication that you're going to be taking on, that you're supposed to take on Pesach. And you're concerned that maybe the medication contains some chametz ingredient and maybe you shouldn't be taking it on Pesach. Says He Hine. He says, being that this medication that you're taking, I don't know if it was an antibiotic or something, but he says, being that you're taking this medication after surgery, which was done on some internal organ, Rav says, it's obvious, you're going to take this medication on Pesach, even if you knew for sure that it contained chametz. Not only is it allowed because you're not certain if it has chametz, even if you were 100% certain this this contains chametz, you could still take it. And the truth is, even if you weren't dangerously ill, you'd also be allowed to go ahead and take a medication which contains chametz. The Quran is nevatel kodma Pesach mishrocha. Because once it's manufactured into medication, medication we consider by its very definition, we're talking about a regular tasteless pill, but medication is considered to be non edible. It's rendered inedible by the time it's manufactured into pill form. And here emotion now takes sides, this issue. And we don't consider something which is consumed as a medication, to be elevated into food status. Medication doesn't elevate into food status. <inaudible> because it's not by coincidence that we say a spoonful of sugar helps the medicine go down, because medicine was known to be horrid and bitter and terrible, and nobody would want to go ahead and consume it, so you had to go ahead and coat it with or mask it with, uh, with sugar. But people are willing to take this horrid-tasting, awful-tasting things because they want the beneficial outcome of it, they want the therapeutic outcome from it. So clearly, if a person is willing to take a medication which tastes horrid and terrible, that means that they don't consider that to be a food, they're taking it only for medicinal purposes. Therefore, Moshe says, אין You have nothing to be concerned about in terms of this medication that you're taking. And follow the instructions exactly as prescribed by the doctor. Don't cut any corners. Don't say, listen, maybe I'll just take one a day rather than two a day or something like that. Do exactly as the doctor told you to do. And God should allow this medication to have the therapeutic outcome that it is designed to to have. So this is something which is, uh, so Moshe says that when you have something uh, which was originally a non-kosher ingredient, it was rendered inedible before Pesach, and now it's being consumed as a medication. So being consumed as a medication does not elevated into a food, and therefore it's going to be permitted to take such a medication on Shabbos. And Moshe says without any hesitation whatsoever, it is 100% motor. Okay, good. So that is one idea. And then elsewhere, Ravosha says, now nah, with regards to maybe, so now let's say I just have the sniffles or something. We're not talking about somebody who just recently had a, uh, an operation on uh, some internal organ. A person has a migraine, a person has hay fever, a person has some sort of minor condition, not a major medical uh, issue, which is potentially life-threatening, but a person has a minor issue. So now the question is going to be Are you allowed to take any medication for any condition whatsoever? Or you have to be at a certain level of ill, or you have to have a certain condition which is serious enough, which will warrant or allow you to go ahead and take medication. So Moshe says, That, sorry, not Moshe, the Mishabur writes, this is in Tafsamach Vav, Seifkot and Base. We're just jumping into the middle of his discussion over here, but he says, Actually, the, the, the case that we're talking about over here is where it used to be that before they had ointments, uh, antibiotic ointments and whatnot, to put on a cut. So what they used to do, it sounds gross, it is gross in the 21st century, but this is what they used to do, and I guess it was effective, is that you would chew some wheat grain, you would take wheat kernels, chew them up, and then you spit them out and you slap them onto the, uh, the cut. And that would somehow cover it. And that was considered to be something which was medicinal. So the question is, if a person gets, a child falls off of the tree on, uh, on uh, Pesach and cuts his knee or cuts his elbow or something like that. So can you go ahead and chew wheat kernels and grind them up in your mouth and then put it onto the wound? And obviously the concern is wheat kernels by themselves are not chametz. But once you start chewing them and they mix together with saliva, that gives them the opportunity to become chametz. So can you use it or not? So the mishabura says, So in the event that there was actual potential danger to the, uh, to the patient involved, so then it would be permitted to go ahead and chew up the grain and throw it onto and slap it onto a wound. Even if there, even though there's a potential violation of Balura of seeing or being in possession of Chomets, as long as there's a possibility that this treatment will go ahead and benefit the, uh, the person with the wound. And it's not easy to go ahead and get an ointment, which wouldn't violate any iser whatsoever. The only thing you have available are these weak kernels. And if it's something which is dangerous, if a person is dangerously ill, and the only thing which is available is a food which contains chametz, or the only thing which is going to be able to tolerate, to be able to eat, is a beverage which contains chametz. So in the event that a person is seriously ill, they're dangerously ill, so as long as there's a sakana, as long as there's potential danger to one's life, so as we've discussed many times in this forum, when there's a potential danger to life, we suspend all Yisurim. So not only are you allowed to drive on Shabbos, not only are you allowed to eat on Yom Kippur, if you need to eat chametz, so you need to eat chametz, and that will be allowed if a person is dangerously ill, that certainly will be allowed. Now, nah, but what about if it's, we're not talking about somebody who's dangerously ill, a person just has a regular cut. So here, this is where you... Uh, in the next mishabura, so the, the one which you're going to read, now you find out how good how good a friend your neighbor is. I'm not sure which way it's going to go, but you'll see what the uh, halacha would uh, possibly require. He says, So to go ahead and for you, the mom or the dad, to chew up wheat kernels, to go ahead and put on your child's knee in order to, uh, to treat it, sort of like an avino bath in the olden days, so, so you go ahead and you take a, so for you to go ahead and do so with your own grain so that certainly is going to be awesome because that's your chametz avachitim well let's say you go to your non-Jewish neighbor and you say listen do you have some wheat kernels that I could borrow he says no problem and then you say shelloh you say listen I need another favor besides that handful of wheat kernels would you mind chewing them up and spitting them out into this cup for me and he says sure neighbor so that's why I said you have to know whether or not you're that close with your neighbor or not. But you ask him to go ahead and chew up his kernels and then spit it out. And then you say, Do you mind if I now borrow those chewed up wheat kernels and put it onto my son's knee on Pesach? So that is going to be permitted. Provided that, im provided that. You are not responsible in the event that something happens to those wheat kernels. So you say to them, listen, I need them, I need to, I need you to go ahead and chew up these wheat kernels, put them onto my son's knee, and but I'm not taking any responsibility if something happens to him, if he you know spills it, if he loses it, if he wipes it off, and you never get them back. I want to make sure that I am not going to be responsible for it at all. Because once you accept responsibility for chametz, then it's as if it's yours, and then you violate the issue yourself. So as long as that chewed-up um, uh, wheat kernel, those chewed-up wheat kernels, never become yours, so then it's going to be permitted. And, um, okay, actually, that's, uh, we'll skip that next line. More than we need to uh, consume. <laughs> and even though chametz is prohibited for benefit, so if chametz is prohibited for benefit Why are you allowed to use that? Why are you allowed to use these chewed up weed kernels, even though they belong to the non-Jew? You're now getting the benefit that it is providing some sort of therapeutic treatment or medicinal treatment for your son. And not only are you not allowed to benefit from your own chametz, you're not even allowed to benefit from somebody else's chametz. So here is another important phrase, and that is that the prohibition against getting hana from Hamits is going to be limited to where you're getting hana in the normal manner. So what's the normal manner of getting a benefit? So that's going to be eating it, that's going to be, let's say, using it as a shampoo. There's all sorts of ways which one would benefit, but it's only going to be a problem if you benefit in a normal manner of benefit but chewing up wheat kernels into chametz, and then putting it onto a, a scraped knee, that's considered to be shalom keder that's considered to be an abnormal way of benefiting, and since it's an abnormal manner of benefiting, vembo bo iserak and so it's only considered to be asamidurabanan. it's only rabbinically prohibited to go ahead and get benefit under such conditions, and when we're dealing with somebody who is Ill, even if he's not dangerously ill, he just has a scrape on the knee or something, and you want to make sure that he doesn't get an infection. So, in the case of even minor illness, so Chazal did not enforce their isure So, an isure doesn't apply when we're dealing with something which is uh, which uh, which involves illness. But in the event that you could go ahead and you could use something else, so then you shouldn't use the wheat. But if the only thing which is available, as we said, is the wheat, so then that is going to be permitted. Now, what's considered to be ill? Where we go ahead and we start suspending uh, isurim. So for this, we turn to Hilchah Shabbos. So this is what what we're, what we're looking for is in order to take a medication uh, or in order to get uh, in order to say that an Isidra banan. Is not applicable. So a person has to be what's called shain bo first Person has to be ill but not dangerously so. So what's the definition of chola shain bo Somebody who's ill but not dangerously so. So here Shokanar goes in and gives us a working definition. And he says, Let's say a person has a condition and their condition weakens them where they need to stay in bed. That's where they need to go ahead, and that's where they're going to need to recuperate. Veimosakana, we're not talking about something which is dangerously ill, but it's something which has depleted them of their energy. So somebody who has a bad flu. So in most cases, the flu is not going to be something which is so dangerous, but it certainly could put a person into bed for a number of days. O, oh, or the Ramah adds in, O Mechush mechosh or let's say somebody has some sort of condition, he has a, a, a condition which causes them immense pain. and the pain radiates throughout the body. Sha'az Even if the person is walking around, we still consider it as if the person should be in bed. So take, for example, somebody who suffers from migraine headaches. So migraine headaches, they originate obviously in the head, thus the name headache, but sometimes a person has a migraine which can be so severe that the person throughout their body they feel that they just they just can't function and something becomes it could be incredibly debilitating for a person who suffers from very bad migraines and they may be walking around in doing things but they have no relief whatsoever and it's something which really weakens the the body so in such a case, people, people suffering from either one of those two things, where it requires them to be in bed, or it's something which radiates pain throughout the body. So those put one into the category of somebody who's ill, although not dangerously so, but it's certainly something which is a, a real bona fide illness, as opposed to just regular heartburn or, or regular headache. Which is just what's called v'alma. It's just some discomfort where we say to the person, tough it out, be a man, and uh, and uh, it'll make you a stronger person, it'll put hair on your chest. But over here we're talking about cholashain bosakana, where the person actually has a bona fide illness. At that point, we would suspend isure drabanan. something which is us or only midurabanan does not apply in the event that it's needed for somebody in that category of cholashain bosakana. So that is something which, and at that point, the person would be allowed to go ahead and have a medication which contains a non kosher food or anything of that uh, that sort. All of that is going to be uh, the the Iser which would put, which could potentially apply is going to be suspended when treating somebody with a condition which is that severe. okay, so that is going to be as far as trafe is concerned. what about as far as kidneys is concerned? What if the medication, we know it doesn't contain chametz, but it does contain kidneys? So are we more lenient, less lenient? Is it the same thing as if it's uh, if it's chametz? So here, uh, so the we'll start off with just the general presentation of the halacha. So here in Tafnun Gimel, the Shulchanach says, So the following are the grains which can be used in order to manufacture matzah to fulfill the mitzvah of eating matzah on Pesach. So that's going to be your wheat, oat, uh, wheat, barley, oats, spelt, and rye—the five grains. Aval, so you can make matzah theoretically out of any one of those grains. But you can't. One may not make matzah out of rice or any other bean whatsoever, any other legume whatsoever. Begam enabayin lidechimus. And these things, being that you can't make matzah out of them, so the flip side of that is because they don't have the capacity to become chametz. They don't leaven, as far as halacha is concerned, as far as the Torah is concerned. So rice and beans do not leaven. And being that they don't leaven, they can't be chametz, that's why they can't be matzah for the mitzvah. And therefore, you're allowed to go ahead and make a bean soup on Pesach. That's the opinion of Shechanach. Shechanach doesn't hold of the Isser of Kitneus. So you can have rice on Pesach, you can have beans on Pesach. All of that is going to be okay. Comes along the Ramah. It says, Some people say, however, that Kitneus is Asr. And after quoting the name, he says, Skip the line, skip the line. And the minnag amongst Ashkenazim is to be machmer about such things. And we refrain from eating kidney on Pesach. The l'shanos, and the Roma emphasizes that this is an important minug, and one should not deviate from it. So one should make sure that they should adopt this lenient attitude and say, eh, it's just kidneyus it's not such a big deal and to uh, to uh, to uh, pretend that there's no such a long standing ancient minog but this is a very serious restriction a very serious minog which one should not be quick to uh, to violate however it is important to know in the event that somebody uh, a piece of kidneyus fell into your food so then it doesn't ask for the food because we don't consider kidneys to be asr like chametz, it's a minug which says that we don't go ahead and consume it in the event that a piece of kidneys fell in, so it's not going to aser the food. But what does it mean? When what do we do when there's a medication which contains kidneys? So does the minug amongst Ashkenazim to refrain from consuming kidneys? Is that going to include medication which has kidneys as well? So here the Mishabur writes: This is in tough Gimel Sif Cotton Zion. He says, U'pashut. He says it's obvious. Du adin that somebody who is ill is allowed to eat kidneyus, if that's going to be medicinal, or if that's going to be therapeutic. Bo sakana. Even if a person is not dangerously ill, you don't need a person to be dangerously ill in order to give a heter to eat kidneyus. That it's going to be permitted to go ahead and cook and feed kidneyus to somebody who is ill. Uh, if it's something which is necessary for their present condition, so although, as a matter of course, we adopt a very stringent uh, uh, approach, and we're not there's a movement now that uh, that the who, who feels that we should do away with this mina against Kitnius nowadays because whatever they they think that the original reasons why it was uh, it was implemented are no longer applicable, and they want to go ahead and do away with the uh, the mina altogether. But we don't, we don't subscribe to that view. We maintain that the minug is an ancient minog, and it should be followed even nowadays. But in the event that you have somebody who's a chola, so then for a chola, somebody who's ill, even when they're not dangerously ill, they just have a condition which puts them in bed, or they have a condition which uh, radiates pain and weakens the entire body. So such a person, if necessary, would be allowed to go ahead and have kidneys. So somebody who needs a medication and the only medication which is available is one which contains kidneyus, so then you don't have to worry about that, that at all. And I want to emphasize because people get uh, people sometimes get confused a little bit about where kidneyus stands as far as these things are concerned, and people sometimes think that you have to that since we don't eat kidneyus on Pesach, we're going to treat it as stringently as we would uh, regular chametz. So that's absolutely not true. The truth is that we are, we're, uh, we are much more lenient with regards to kidneys. We don't sell kidneys like we sell chametz. And you don't have to go ahead and get rid of all the kidneys from the house as you would for chametz. And I, part of the reason why I'm emphasizing this is because on the base Hora hotline today, so a fellow called up and he was very concerned that he was cleaning his car for Pesach. And there is a piece of popcorn which is between the seat and the console in the, in the front. And he said he's tried for like 10 minutes, and he just can't get that piece of popcorn out. He can't reach in there to get it out. And he's worried, what is he going to do for Pesach? So I said, listen, popcorn is kidneys. Kidneous, you're allowed to own. You don't have to go ahead and get rid of it. It's fine to just leave it there, and you don't have to, to worry. And he said, as many people do, they said, are you sure? Yes, that's why I'm answering the phone. I am sure that uh, popcorn is kidneyous and you don't have to worry about it. It can remain there. As long as you don't eat it, you're going to be fine. And if you can't access it anyways, because it's trapped between the seat and the console, so you are good to go. So that's why I emphasize that as much as we have a minute not to eat it, it's not hummus. And therefore you're allowed to own it. It could be stuck in the seat over there. You could look at it. As long as you're not eating it, it's going to be okay. And the further leniency that we have is the idea that, uh, that in the event that a medication it, uh, contains kidneyous ingredients, so that's not going to be an impediment against taking that medication. Okay, so now the last thing I want to share with you is just uh, what you have over here is from this sefer, which contains the, uh, the halachic decisions of Rav Shmuel Kamenetsky, and then I'll read to you the uh, the letter that the Chicago rabbanim always put out. So he says... Kola any type of medication at all. So the best thing to do is to get a medication which is on a kushala pesach approved list. And there's, uh, you know, people who are spend a lot of time, invest a lot of time and resources into researching medications, which ones contain chametz or contain kidney, and which ones do not. So Rav Shmuel says that the best thing to do is to try and obtain medication which we know is kashle pesach. bekan hu hasig trufos kasheros, and the whole subsequent discussion of the details of the halachas, that's going to be relevant for those people who cannot get a kosher, le Pesach medication. So are there leniencies under certain conditions to have ones which may contain kidneys, which may contain chametz, whatever it's going to be. But if Shmuel says that as a matter, of course, one should definitely make an effort to get medication, which is kosher, le Pesach. And then in the footnote, he says further, umori rebishli Amar," meaning of Shmuel said, even if, in order to get kosher of Pesach medication, let's say there's a kosher for Pesach version available, and there's one which is not kosher for Pesach. And it happens to be that if you get the generic Walgreens brand, so it'll be relatively cheap. If you get the one from the Kosher for Pesach manufacturer, so it'll be quadruple the price. So I do really have to spend quadruple the price in order to get the kosher Pesach one rather than the generic Walgreens one, which will cost a fraction of the price. So if Paskin in the event that one which is kosher Le Pesach is available, so you should definitely go ahead and get your hands on that and use that rather than one which contains chametz. Uh, but in the event that it's not available, so then we have the leniencies which apply that it would be uh, that would be permitted. So that is what Rav Shmuel Paskins. And now I'll read to you once again. They've been putting this out for about 20 years or so, the leading postgame here in Chicago. But I think many other cautious organizations around the country also have adopted a similar type of view and put out similar letters. If not, just go ahead and copy this exact letter. So they say, a pill or non-chewable tablet medication with or without chametz that one swallows is permitted. So as long as it's something which is just going to be swallowed, that's fine. Um, Vitamins and food supplements do not necessarily fall into this category, and each person should consult with their rabbi what to do about vitamins and supplements. Liquid and chewable medications that may contain hummus should only be used under the directions of a doctor and rabbi who will judge the severity of the illness, the likelihood that the medicine contains hummus, and the possibility of substituting a swallowable pill. Because once it's liquid or once it's chewable, so then we don't consider that to be inedible. It's designed to be something which is pleasant tasting. And therefore, that's why it's going to present a more serious uh, uh, issue. Now, point number three, liquid and chewable medications that contain kidneys, may be consumed by someone who is ill. That's what we just read. That kidney is not going to be a problem. And otherwise, healthy person would like to consume a liquid or chewable medicine to relieve a minor discomfort should only do so if the product is known to be free of kidney. So a person who has a headache and wants to take chewable, uh, you know, or they want to take their child's uh, liquid uh, Tylenol, children's Tylenol, so to, for an adult who has a headache to take children's Tylenol on Pesach, so that may be a problem. If it contains kidneys, that may be a problem. Because a headache, we don't consider it to be such a serious thing that we would necessarily permit the consumption of kidneys when it's in this edible, yummy tasting uh, uh, form. But anything, but the, we, we, we hold that anything which is going to be a tasteless or bad tasting pill, so we consider that to be inedible. We don't consider the consumption of it to elevate it into food status. And one does not have to he- ha- hesitate to take such a such medication. All righty? You're up. So this is um.